It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome into Friday, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you plenty to get into with Husker Hoops, a, a busy day for Nebraska basketball and the mayor. Some thoughts on Mike Gundy's future from a man that's on the inside down in Oklahoma. Dean Blevins coming up, some recruiting with Greg Smith, our basketball insider, Jacob Padilla. Coming up, and it's the Pride of Fairbury time. Bill Doltman from NBC Sports set to join us in an hour. Hope your Friday is going well. You can join us today, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And, of course, uh, always follow and keep locked in on Hale Varsity's Twitter handle and ESPN Lincoln. So let's get to some basketball. And uh, I don't think Chip Kelly is going to get a Father's Day card from his roster at UCLA. Elijah, you got your soccer shirt on. How are you? Doing well. Tottenham's back in play today. I feel like a kid on Christmas morning all day. Did well on Wednesday. Proud of you guys. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, uh, which part of the show do you listen to? Got the first 15, and I think I got the final 20. Mm, yeah, no, we, 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 I thought we had some fun topics to hit on. It, it wasn't so. as much as uh, making sure you're not setting fire as in. I just wanted to hear you, t- you two kind of back and forth it. So I appreciate you, you hooking that up. So programming note, best of tomorrow. Uh, Cranach out, you out. I'm uh, at baseball. Assuming it doesn't turn into a swimming pool tomorrow morning. That's my plan, too. I'm supposed to be out umpiring this weekend. Yeah, so, so it's, uh, it's a little best of tomorrow. We have plenty to get into. We'll hear from Mike Leach. We'll hear from Ron Brown. We'll hear from uh, Mr. Uh, Schweitzer. The, uh, the new uh, linebacker commit was fun to chat with him yesterday. We are out to new Nebraska commit and part of Nebraska's basketball team, Elijah Wood. That just came down about 10 minutes ago. Rivals first to report that. Jacob Badilla going to be all over, uh, you know, just what Nebraska's getting. Uh, about five hours ago, you had the would-be guard that could really do some nice things for Nebraska basketball, Kobe King. Uh, he announced that, you know what, he's not going to be a part of the program. So, Let's start with Kobe, and we'll get to Elijah Wood, not the actor. Unfortunately, that'd be Shortly, fun. we'll get to, to Elijah Wood here in a moment, and, and he's a four-star guy himself. But what happened here is, is, is a little murky. What happened with Kobe King? He signed with Nebraska to, to transfer from Wisconsin. He's not going to be a part of the basketball program. 
he's deciding to step away from basketball for personal reasons. Now, it's not the first time we've heard that. Uh, you, you had a, a situation like that in football with J.D. Spielman and Nebraska issuing a statement Friday with the news and uh, this from the mayor. Gobi Kings informed us that he will not be attending the University of Nebraska for personal reasons. We respect his decision, wish him the best in his future endeavors. So King committed to Nebraska in February, played 63 games at Wisconsin, 20 starts, second leading score, 12 points a game for for whiskey, uh, and, and had 10 points a game last year, 12 points a game during Big Ten play, shot 52%. Here's the thing about King that you felt good about for Nebraska. A, the guy's been through about everything and anything home and road for Big Ten. If you can play basketball at a high level for Wisconsin, that means you're good. That means you're a winner. That means you're tough. That means you're physical. And you know where Wisconsin's at. They're usually in the Sweet 16. Period. That's what they do. That's that's what their program's about. And they get guys that are kind of bought in with the development phase. Because while Wisconsin can get some big-time players, they make big-time players. They get guys that are really talented, but they always kind of reach that that ceiling of their talent through development. And we always talk about Hoiberg, his offense, the motion, the ball movement. And when it's hitting on all cylinders, it's, it's a thing of beauty. And Fred's such a smart X's and O's guy that that'll be an advantage. Not only from a recruiting standpoint, he can get high-level guys in here, but he can also out-coach you, <laughs> okay? You combo that, bang. It's, it's, it's a bright future for Nebraska basketball. Very tough start a year ago. And you get a guy like Kobe King in here, and you were going to be able to, to, to mismatch it a little bit. And, and you've got a point forward in Banton that can kind of kick it out, out top, handle the basketball. And you have another guy that can handle the ball in Kobe King, presumably. But he can also go down and just post up guards at, at 6'4 and 210 and being as physical he is that was going to be nice to be able to invert the floor not a lot of teams can do that Nebraska was planning on doing that so Nebraska losing King and that left an open scholarship never fear Nebraska's banging the phones and they got a pretty good player it looks like on paper here from Elijah Wood so with Elijah he's a was going to be a 2021 recruit either to Tulane and and then Rhode Island. He was set to play kind of a a, a gray shirt season at uh, Hargrave Military Academy, okay? He was going to go do a a year of, of prep ball. So that is out the window, and Wood is now going to be a part of Nebraska's 2020 class with that scholarship of Kobe King leaving. Elijah Wood comes in, and with the reclassification, I mean, he chose Nebraska over some really name programs. That's Florida, that's Ole Miss, that is Providence, and the plan is for Wood to be in Lincoln on Monday, and that puts Nebraska back full of their 13 scholarships for 2021, and again, rivals first to report this, what really sold uh, Elijah Wood was the coaching staff in their and what they're really wanting to build. He wants to be a part of that. So you, you had Wood that was in on Tulane, 
was looking at Rhode Island. Texas Tech wanted him. You know how good their program's been recently. A&M and Auburn and Georgia and TCU, Kansas State and Ole Miss. So this is some high-level basketball programs that want him. I know K-State didn't have a great year last year, but they're not far removed from the tournament. A&M's kind of up and coming. Bruce Pearl down at Auburn. I mean, they've been a high-seed team since he got there. Georgia is where Tom Crean is at. TCU has uh, Jamie Dixon down there. And and then you got Ole Miss uh, that isn't that far removed from a tournament appearance either, I think a couple of years ago. So, uh, Matt Abdelmassi, man, put your Superman cape back on. And that was pretty cool. So, we've got a, um, a, a text out to Elijah Wood. We are hoping a 440 time can work for him. We will see if that uh, can happen. Some thoughts, Elijah Herbal, on this edition for Nebraska. You know, in in one fell swoop, I'm like, damn, this hurts Nebraska losing Kobe King. But, okay, you're getting another big-time talent, it looks like, in uh, former four-star Elijah Wood. Yeah, first off, great name. Great name. I I applaud his parents (laughs) for that one. Uh, They made a a good choice. But, I mean, this is a guy that was at Rhode Island as of like a month ago, Mm a month and a half ago. Um, He's got talent. Got the size. Uh, I mean, he's at 165 right now. You'd maybe think he needs to put on a little more weight. I need to actually get here and watch the film because this was just such a, a last-minute commitment right before the show. But on paper, looks like a good get, and it's four years instead of Kobe King was going to come in and play two, I think. Well, and he needed the waiver. Yeah, he needed the waiver. Based on how he left Wisconsin, I, I would think from the, the racial slur that was used at Wisconsin, he would have gotten a waiver to play at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But I, I do believe he only had two years left. You're right, Yeah, because he had – Freshman, sophomore, mm-hmm. I'm out. Sophomore year, come in as a junior, immediately be eligible per the waiver. Yeah, and now Nebraska gets a guy that can come in and develop for four years. You talked about the development of the programs like Wisconsin and what Hoiberg's trying to build here. It's, it's you know nice to get a guy who can come in and play four years as opposed to, I mean, Kobe King you think would probably be an instant starter on this team this year, which hurts. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that you're going to ask that of Elijah Wood, but, no, but you know. what can you get out of him? Hopefully four years of development. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm thinking. Get better for four years and, and leave the program better than where you left it or where you came in. Yep. So we'll see, uh, and we'll get Jacob's kind of breakdown on Elijah Wood's film and see what he thinks in a busy day for Nebraska basketball. A tough day at Nebraska in general. I want to spend a couple of minutes on this before we get to Greg Smith and recruiting, and that is uh, the budget cuts uh, with the University of Nebraska athletics uh it is it is tough it is tough right now for many people it is tough for a number of americans with unemployment uh above 45 million and you look at nebraska athletics they've got to reduce their budget their fiscal year begins july 1st and uh, cuts in administrative positions across the athletic department if you're going to do 10 percent of of budget cuts uh, you're, that the, the athletic department employs 350 people, so you do that 10% math, that's 35. And those are some good folks that have been there a while. We don't know who, but uh, in my dealings, and it's just mainly been with sports information, but they, they're awesome, awesome folks, and they do such a great job. But everyone in the part of the athletic department's like a family down there, and that's where Dolman worked for a lot of years. So we'll get his take on this here in a little less than an hour. But when it comes to administrative positions here, 
you know, the budget in 2018, 2019 was 81 million. Nebraska needs to shave off between eight and nine million dollars. If you have that number, that same number for 2020, 2021, and you got to reduce 10 percent of that staff. No uh, merit increases for all department employees. No increases in all sports programming budgets and programs encouraged to, to kind of build more regional non-conference setups. I know volleyballs canceled a trip out to Stanford. I know that their things were wiped away with the, their sand volleyball and a would-be Hawaii trip, so they've saved some money there. Nebraska's tried to schedule within the uh, kind of the old Big 12, it, it feels like anyway, for baseball, when you look at the number of, of trips to Kansas State that they've had, uh, you'll you'll your football schedule is kind of set up, but for basketball, Nebraska is going down to to the Sprint Center this next season, next December, for a game against Kansas State. Uh, that's not a bad thing. Scheduling or, or looking at scheduling regionally, and I know Nebraska volleyball has done Creighton, and they'll do some some old Big Twelve teams. But this just hurts. This is just kind of a sign of the times. And you've got an athletic department in Nebraska that, I mean, they, they are self-reliant. They've always been self-reliant. And the revenue they, they pulled in for 1819 was $122 million. We don't know what 2021 is going to look like until the numbers are out. You know that the university systems as a whole have a $43 million budget shortfall. And it's all because of this stupid Rona. It's just this just hurting folks, not only physically and mentally, but financially. And it's done that across the nation in Nebraska athletics, not immune. Uh, we don't know what the continued impact is going to be when you look at fewer fans. That's fewer dollars spent. Uh, will it be uh, altered TV money? We don't know that for, for this season. And quite honestly, with the, the number of, of cases that keep picking up, I mean, you have more and more, you had a number of baseball folks test positive. You have some uh, positive COVID-19 tests in the NFL going on. You have a number of college campuses where kids are getting it. You have spikes all around the nation uh, that, that are occurring. I mean, New York's doing okay, but Florida and Arizona are not good right now. Uh, two of your, your projected sites for Major League Baseball, if they get off their ass and figure out things so it's it's kind of a tenuous time which leads us to ucla and they've had 30 players and most of them anonymously uh, spoke out to the la times ucla football wants a third party medical representative there to ensure that health procedures and practices are followed appropriately they don't trust and it sure as hell don't like chip kelly this isn't every player on ucla's team but kelly had a virtual team meeting thursday said all right involuntary workouts or i should say voluntary voluntary workouts start monday and they're like what the hell why why monday why are you just telling us thursday night and in fairness, the L.A. County Department of Health didn't green light return to action till Monday. But you've had Tuesday to Thursday to get word out. There's distrust for Chip Kelly because they feel out of the loop, per the L.A. Times article. There's not much 
to to often communication by Chip Kelly. I can see that. I don't know Chip Kelly. I respect folks that have worked with him. I respect him as a coach. But is he a, is he a great communicator, or does he have somebody on staff that can communicate to kids? And is starting quarterbacks one kid that's like, look. Uh, we're not going to participate in a lot of these things you want us to participate in. We need a third-party medical representative. So there's no repercussions, A, if we don't come back. B, don't yank our scholarship if we don't come back. So it's this is UCLA doing this. There's going to be other college football programs that see what happened at UCLA today. And you're going to see other college football programs who don't really feel it with their coach, make this same move. We'll talk some recruiting next. Greg Smith's with us on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back to you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, more on Elijah Wood coming up here with Jacob Padilla. One hour. Dean Blevins will sound off on that Looney Tune Gundy. We say hi to Greg Smith, recruiting insider, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Greg, please tell me you've got just some some awesome barbecue planned this weekend. Uh, I have something planned tonight. I think we're going to hit the Muchachos food truck tonight. Um, Nice shout out there. It's not a paid endorsement, but he's right. It's not, but I apologize. Um, But I mean, otherwise... (laughs) Um, for my wife's birthday a couple weeks back, we got a nice uh, Omaha Steaks package, another shout-out, uh, with some bacon-wrapped sirloin. So I think we're going to do that tomorrow. So we we have a pretty good weekend of good eats around here. You, too, can have Greg Smith shout-out uh, <laughs> companies on radio. Just contact HaleVarsity.com. Is that, is that okay? Can I, can I, can there I, we go. I, I appreciate you saving <laughs> me there. You're good, man. Hey, okay, Chris Paul Jr., one of our favorite interviews. Uh, really good linebacker has seen folks closer to home say, hey, Chris, what do you think about Louisville? What do you think about Tennessee? What do you think about Cincinnati? Did you kind of feel this maybe bubbling for a while, his decommitment? Yeah, I did. Um, only because he had, well, a couple of things. One, he's been pretty public about wanting to take other visits. Um, and as you kind of think about it, Nebraska has not had that situation much at all, right? Uh, like under Frost, like where guys have committed and then taken other visits. Like I, I, it, I struggle to think of one off the top of my head where that where it's actually ended up coming to fruition. Um, and so that's just a little unique. And part of that is Nebraska and how they pitch guys and they don't like to pressure them. Um, but part of it is those kids feeling really safe and secure about being in Nebraska's class. Um, so knowing that he was very vocal about taking those visits, that that gives you a little pause for. Concern, um, and then what, the one thing that I was I was always a, a little leery about with, with Chris Paul being in the class is he was just so different from the other linebackers that are in the class, um, especially the guys and you, the guys that inside linebacker that have come in in recent years. And you think about Henrich and Keyshawn Green in the last two classes, and even you think of his classmates, um, Randolph Kapai um, and Seth Malcolm. They just they, their profiles are different, but you could probably make that work uh, because you do need a, a classic 
Big Ten thumper in there as well. Um, so for a few reasons, I kind of thought that he could be a guy to watch. Plus, you add all of that to the fact that we've talked a bunch about how this year is going to be different for decommitments, and it can't be different everywhere if Nebraska doesn't have at least one. Greg Smith is with us at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. With Paul, listen, he loved the Smash Mouth style. I mean, that's what stuck out to me about the interview. He's, yep. a, he's a downhill run stopper. From a from a speed and athleticism standpoint, in your opinion, did he did he stack up to what else Nebraska had recruited? Or, or when I say different, difference not bad, but was he as no. was he as athletic in your opinion? Not that he couldn't get there, but was he as athletic as what was coming in? No, but he also, but he was a type, a style of linebacker that you that a lot of teams in the conference went with, right? Like right. that's not, it's not a knock on him at all in that regard. He was just a little bit different um, than some of those other linebackers and the linebackers that it feels like Nebraska is trying to move to in this defense um, because something that has come up a lot and it was very odd that it kept happening like in the last two seasons where it felt like opposing Big Ten coaches were kind of keying in on Nebraska's linebackers, trying to get them in space mm-hmm. um, and really isolate them and how frustrating that's been for Husker fans and it feels like the coaching staff has really noticed that and has tried to change the model of how they recruit linebackers Um, so he was a little bit different than some of the guys they brought in in recent class or have uh, committed in this class. Doing some recruiting recon with Greg Smith. Greg, Nebraska brought in a good class of linebackers and even without uh, Chris Paul in the class there's still hope for the the talent that's there. Is Nebraska satisfied with that group that they have? Are they going to look to go and replace Chris Paul with another linebacker recruit? Uh, I think that both they, they both are happy with what they have. I think, uh, especially at inside linebacker that that's already on campus. And there's a host of guys. Um, you have your two guys that are your projected starters, and Will Honus and Colin Miller. Um, then you have guys like Keyshawn Green, who I mentioned uh, as true freshman. But you have Nick Henrich, um, Garrett Snodgrass, uh, you have all sorts of uh, Bob Maga Clements. Um, you have a number of guys. Uh, Luke Reimer um, is a guy that I really like. I think go on scholarship and could play uh, heavy snaps this year. Um, and it's just about building that pipeline for the future. So what they have in the class right now, I am Malcolm at, at inside. Um, I think that they are happy with what they have. I think that they will still try to replace Chris Paul um, to add one more inside linebacker. And I definitely think they're going to add um, one more outside linebacker in this class as well. So a thought, if, if Paul still wants to visit – Does Nebraska say, come on down, or is this just a a breakup? I would man, that's a good a good way to phrase that. Um, because the visit thing is interesting because if you get down the road, um, and Nebraska has the visits available because you would assume that they will, um, it, it would be something to have him at least come out for a visit because they didn't get to take that official visit, but he did take an unofficial last year. Um, but I don't think that that's what's going to happen. I think that Nebraska and Paul are kind of done, um, and he'll end up having a school that's that's a little bit closer to home for him. What is Nebraska's policy? If you commit, you can't visit or does it just depend? I think that it's been an unstated rule, an <laughs> unspoken rule, that if you commit, you're kind of done. And by that, we'll also be done at your position as well. Sure. Um, if, again, because then I think that that two-way street is the best way to go about it because, hey, I'm being upfront and honest with you that I'm not recruiting anybody at your position. And there are a bunch of examples of that. Um, kind of the most glaring ones are have been Luke McCaffrey and Logan Smothers, that quarterback over the last couple of years. 
when those guys committed, they did not continue reaching out to quarterbacks. Other positions are a little bit different just because it depends on the numbers of guys that that you need. Um, but yeah, I think they kind of have an unspoken policy about once you're in, you're in, but we'll also shut it down at your position too if the numbers allow it. Greg Smith is with us, recruiting recon, Hale Varsity Radio. Find Greg on Twitter at Greg Smith HV. So, Greg, uh, I really love your your Greg's guys. You, you run down a big time list of kids, a top ten kind of Greg's board, you know. And give me a, a thought here on running back uh, Tavier Dunlap, get out of Texas. All he did is run for three thousand yards uh, last season, and the world is after him. Uh, Tell me a little bit where Nebraska stands with him, and you feel I don't know where, where's the where's the courtship at? Yeah, I think that Nebraska is in good contact with Dunlap, and another and there's a good handful of Texas kids that Nebraska really likes this cycle. Um, so I know that that's been a focus for them this year, trying to get back into Texas. And I know you have I you and I have both mm-hmm. beaten that drum to death about Nebraska getting back into Texas. Uh, but he's a, a tremendously productive running back, also at three, 37 touchdowns in the last two years to go with those 3,000 yards. Um, but he's kind of blown up over quarantine, where some kids have kind of had some issues during quarantine, where they're not getting as many offers um, as they would have hoped for. Dunlap is kind of the opposite. I think he's picked up Notre Dame, Michigan, uh, Mississippi State, and a bu- bunch of others over quarantine. But Nebraska's hot after him. They really like him. Um, and I think they're definitely showing him that he's one of their top priorities at running Greg, another guy from Texas the Huskers are in on is Jalen Griffin. He's former uh, teammate of Omar Manning down at Kilgore Community College. Any, uh, any news on him? Yeah, I think that when I talked to Griffin a, a few weeks ago um, when he was kind of bursting on the scene on Nebraska's radar, um, and he, he does not have an offer yet from Nebraska. I think Nebraska will continue to see how things go with, with high school um a prep uh, wide receivers to see how that goes. They can get guys that'll be here for four years. Um, but I think that he'd be a nice guy to add um, if you need to, and you have some attrition in the room because you always could use an older guy. Nebraska is just so young at wide receiver this year, but he's definitely um, receptive to Nebraska's pitch right now. Greg, when we look at 2021 and Nebraska needs a couple of running backs and, and you've got guys like Dunlap, you've got guys like Barry, uh, that, that are uber-talented. Irvin's out of Georgia, and then uh, you have Estime out of New Jersey. Maybe he's a Rutgers guy, but if you were to give me your top two out of the four I've named, where how would you rank him? How would you rank him? Man, it's tough because I... Are they, <laughs> are they, do, they, do they all do of, different things, or is it just... Um, they're similar. It's actually interesting because I think that they're all similar and that they all have pretty good size. They're guys that you don't think are going to take a long time to build their bodies up to be able to hit the field. I think Estime from New Jersey is probably the best guy out of that bunch, but I think he's the longest shot um, for Nebraska because I think he's really receptive to what's happening with Greg Schiano at Rutgers. Um, but if Nebraska can get him on campus, all bets are off. I think that my top two realistic targets out of that group um, – would be Dunlap, the running back out of Texas, mm-hmm. and Gabe Irvin, Gabe Irwin, Irvin, the guy out of uh, Buford, Georgia. Um, I really like as well. I think he's got a really good size, balance, and speed combination. Uh, Nebraska has done really well. Sean Beckton leading the charge down there in Georgia. He, he'd be a, a heck of an addition for Nebraska. The film I like and, and is. Let me go back to Dunlap for a second. I mean, the guy's the guy's six foot. He's a big back. At two, right. six foot two hundred, but my God, he I mean he can make a move and then he can turn the jets on. I mean, you, usually you just got a speed guy or you got a juke guy or you got a power guy. 
He's got the the side to side in the north and the south. I mean, I, I like Dunlap a lot. We got to get the, uh, the the token Thomas Fedoni question uh, now that USC and South Carolina offered. Yeah. So my question is that I've not caught up with him um, about this, but I, I, it's at the top of my list to ask him is as the guy who's the number one tight end in the country, when a team like even a team like USC, really big name, right? Great mm-hmm. tradition. When they come in at this point in the game, like what are your thoughts, right? Uh, is USC like, is not thrown to a tight end since the Todd Morenovich era. <laughs> right, that too. Um, when Fred Davis caught a pass accidentally. <laughs> Good work um, on the Fred line. Davis call, baby. I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Fred so, Davis yeah, so signing. <laughs> Fred Davis. Yeah, he was great on the old NCAA football video. Oh, I love Fred, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so I think that's Fedoni. I think that he likes getting these offers. Every, every kid does, and that's fine. Um, I would be surprised if those schools kind of enter in the picture now, have a great shot. Um, I still think that it's Nebraska or LSU right now. Um, again, you want to keep them away from that night game at Death Valley. Um, but even so, I think Nebraska's in a really good position. Um, they just have to continue with the pitch that they've had. And if it continues, if the recruitment goes into the season, which it probably will, um, some early tight end action on the field can only bolster <laughs> Nebraska's chances. Greg, last thought before we let you go, about 15 seconds. Nebraska got a walk-on uh, commitment from a legacy, Baron Miles. you have anything on him? Uh, I, oh, what I have fun on Bear Miles Jr. so far is that he's good. he's scheduled to play wide receiver. He is not a, a defender like his dad, um, but he definitely looks the part. He's a really athletic kid, well built. Uh, but he'll be walking on as a wide receiver. Baron Miles Sr. is arguably one of my favorites. Love Baron Miles Sr. It's cool that Junior's making his way. Greg, fire that grill up this weekend. Thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, thanks as always, guys. You have a good weekend. All right, there he is, and we had a. Yes, we had a Fred Davis mention. <laughs> Fred freaking Davis. Uh, more Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's, it's hilarious when you pull a name out of the air. <laughs> From back in the, the, the day football. Usually it happens at fantasy football drafts. But Greg Smith with a gem. Remember Fred Davis or not? I don't think I do. Played the NFL 08 and played forever. And he was like just this giant. It's like he's Ricky. It's like the Ricky Dudley part two. Ricky Dudley was an insanely awesome tight end that always kept getting signed by Gruden. Wherever Gruden went, Ricky Dudley from Ohio State, first round tight end pick, kind of mid to late 90s. All right, that's, that's Ricky Dudley. Fred was USC's tight end during the Bush era, right? Lendale, Wyatt, Bush, Leinard, post-Leinard. And, like, the last time USC's ever ever used a freaking tight end to catch the football, literally, was was when Carroll was there. And that's been ages ago. But Greg and I are just laughing. He's like, yeah, Fred Davis once caught a, a pass. Fred Davis beat the crap out of Nebraska defensive ends that fateful night game. Did you go to the USC game in 07? Uh, with game day. I, and, I watched it on TV. And you got to turn the channel and go cry. Yeah, like halftime. Yeah. 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 I mean, because it was just like they had lost a couple players from the national championship teams. Think, ah, oh, maybe there's a chance. But no. Well, this was your this was your get back moment for Nebraska football. Because mm-hmm. was SC number one? Uh, yeah, I think so. Nebraska came in like ranked 14th or something. Good, Could have been a good Nebraska team. Had a lot to replace on defense. 
Should have been playing Joe Gans instead of Sam Keller. I'm going to throw my water cup at you. Anywho. If I remember correctly, I think USC lost like a week or two later. They had a Mike Riley. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. To Mike Riley on a Thursday night to a gorgeous 2-2 two and two Oregon State team. Yeah. yeah Mike, but- Mike Riley could pull out like monster upsets in his career, but they'd go 9-4 and four, never win 10 games. Or they'd go 3-9. and nine. I was going to say 4-8 and eight maybe, too. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't even a 6-6 six and six or an 8-4 and four mixed in. It was 9-4 and four or 3-9. and nine. Feast or famine. Uh, this is not good. Major League Baseball is a mess. We know that. We hope things get figured out. But reality is this. The Phillies and Blue Jays are going to close their spring training facilities after positive coronavirus tests. I wish I had good news for you. On a Friday with, hey, baseball's coming back, or, hey, we found a cure for the coronavirus, or it's uh, instead of my faucet pouring water, it's pouring Templeton rye. I mean, I wish I had that type of good news for you. But no, you've got, <laughs> you've got the Phillies and the Blue Jays saying, yeah, we're going to shut down our spring training facility. After you had uh, player exhibit symptoms, you had... The uh, Phillies facility going to remain closed until medical authorities are confident the virus is under control. So what you have here, the first confirmed case Tuesday, eight staff members tested negative, while 20 players and 12 other staff members are awaiting their test results. So you've had a, a few a few staff people test positive. Got a couple players test positive. You got in the NFL. So what's what's going on? Are you getting the virus from travel? Are you maintaining social distancing and mask wearing? And I'm not here to arm wrestle you on whether you mask up or don't. Or don't just be safe is all I really care about. Period. And and be responsible. I wonder where we're at with that. Is it just a pure travel or if folks put themselves, these players specifically, have they put themselves in danger by, okay, restrictions are eased. Let's go out and throw some cocktails at a bar and and not stay separate from one another. This past week has concerned me in sports. With oh, are you on the verge, like, maybe going, uh, we're going to get this shut down again? That's what I'm thinking. I had a, a baseball game this weekend. I was supposed to umpire get shut down. and what, Southwest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, baseball game got shut down because all their games got canceled because a couple guys within that program uh, allegedly tested no, positive. No, they... they it's, it's confirmed now? I mean, yeah, you had... I mean, the, the, the Southwest kids are under quarantine. I don't know mm-hmm. how many have tested positive, but... Yeah, you got an issue, and I mean, I hope they're getting healthy and recuperating, clearly. It's concerning because, like, we don't even know if these things are spread through the the physical activity or if it's they're doing stuff off the field. And it's Are are you hanging out with a bunch of people and someone was hanging out with somebody else and bang, you have it? And the thing is, is to have sports, we need the athletes and the fans and everyone to be responsible. And if we're showing that as a country, we can't be responsible to bring sports back, it's majorly concerning to me i don't think the sec gives a damn oh no they're, they're gonna say hip we're gonna open up the stadiums and there we go although there was um some comments by by lsu's um athletic director a little earlier you have scott woodward telling espn that uh they are going to 
require fans to wear masks to Tiger Stadium this fall. He was asked, hey, Athletic Director Woodward, Woodward are you going to require fans? Paul Feinbaum was asking him that. And are you going to make fans wear masks? And, and the AD is like, well, it's definitely in play. So it's not like they're saying, well, no. They are going to uh, listen to medical experts for guidance, but what medical expert are you going to listen to? More locally, I know the University of Nebraska yesterday announced that all students and staff that are in campus buildings this fall are going to have to be wearing masks too. So mm-hmm. No, and that's that's that was announced yesterday. And listen, if you're dining, like at a residence hall or you're on campus, you can eat as long as you're six feet apart. Mm-hmm. And take your mask off. But I mean, if it's already coming to, to the campus and the students, you're going to think that you're going to have to wear a mask if you want to make it into a football game this fall. Well, guess what? You can slap a red N on one and it may be uh, cold and callous to, <laughs> to sell them. But hey, maybe you could. Hey, on the bright side, if we wear this mask later in the season, it gets cold outside. It's actually going to keep you a little warmer, I think. If you're wearing the masks uh, later in the season on the bright side of wearing the mask to game, it might keep you a little bit warmer. Can you get like some insulated masks maybe that are also safe? You, you can do a lot of different things. You always got to look on the bright side here. Got to work on it. Uh, you have a meeting scheduled here in about an hour with UCLA's Brass and Chip Kelly. So the UCLA... Folks are going to sit down with Chip Kelly. They're going to figure out what's going on. Why do your players hate you? Maybe that's a strong statement, but they don't want to play ball for him. Uh, just a kind of a bombshell demand list with uh, 30 UCLA players and the LA Times. We'll spend some more time with that. Uh, Bill Dolman's thoughts. Uh, good news for Nebraska, Elijah Wood is a commit for the 2020 class. He's a former four-star guard. Jacob Padilla will have the breakdown on him as uh, Nebraska lost a really talented kid earlier today from you know what was supposed to be a... Uh, Kobe King was supposed to be a guy you plug in and he was going to do yeah. wonders for you because of his experience and his ability but you got a guy that's got some game in Elijah Wood coming in. Can join us 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to get in. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence on Twitter. And can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So uh, we'll wind down this first hour. Bill Dolman. Jacob Padilla, Dean Blevins on, you know, does Gundy survive this weekend? Hail Varsity winds down hour one next. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Ten minutes away, Bill Dolman, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, going to be with us. Jacob Padilla on a loss and a gain for Nebraska basketball. And then Dean Blevins down in Oklahoma City. Reminder about drinking and driving. One out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed or high, never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working around the clock to stop with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols as a driver. Make that correct choice of a non-alcoholic drinker. Have a pre-selected designated driver. Be smart. Start the conversation. Who's Driving Home, brought to you by the Nebraska Department 
of Highway Safety Office. So this was the news early this morning that ticked off a lot of baseball fans on social media, and I don't blame you. Uh, You have Rob Manfred rejecting the Major League Baseball Players Association's proposed 70-game regular season schedule. I don't get that, man. You say, hey, let's get together. Let's fly to Arizona. Tony Clark, you and me, let's have a drink. Let's sit down. Let's knock out a schedule. And I'm rejecting it. So here's what MLB's proposal, the PA's proposals were. 70-game season, July 19th through September 30th. Full prorated pay. Expanded playoffs to 16 teams in 2020 and 2021. A minimum pool for playoff shares in 2020 based on rounds played. $50 million in full playoff is, sta- is staged. And then a 50-50 split of incremental TV revenue for any additional postseason games in 2021. So a salary advanced forgiveness for all players in Tier 1 to Tier 3. Opt-outs, full service, and salary for players who are high-risk and those who live with high-risk individuals. $10 million for social justice initiatives funded from the welfare plan and $50 million to be transferred from joint funds to the commissioner's discretionary fund. Also, clubs granted permission to sell advertisement and patches on uniforms in 2020-2021, enhanced housing allowances for spring training and regular season, universal designated hitter mm. in 2020 and 2021, and parties to collaborate on broadcast enhancements, i.e. Mike and me up, and then mutual waiver of potential grievances under the March agreement. That seems like a, a, a damn good list. Now, there's about 80 of them on there that the owners are like, eh, no. The, the really interesting one to me is a universal DH. I, I love that. It's about time the MLB figures it out and gets both leagues doing the same thing. I don't think that the AL's ever going to go back to having their pitchers hit. So I think the NL has just got to get with the times and have a DH. God, I, I keep screwing the guy's name up. He used to pitch for the Mets. He's super fat. Uh, Bartolo Colon. Yeah. The only guy I want to see bat ever that, that's a pitcher is Bartolo. Yeah. Because he swings out of his husky size uniform and, and sometimes he'll hit a home run. Bartolo's just a pure joy to watch bat. I know he's like retired now, isn't he? Or is he still throwing the old Crisco ball up there? That's a good question. I, I, watched look that, that up. I watched that video of him hitting that home run in, uh, in San Diego <laughs> at least once a year. I just love the, the Twitter gifts of, of Bartolo Colon at, at the batter's box where he swings and his helmet pops off. Okay, but the thing is, is without a universal DH, I feel like the AL's at a disadvantage every single World Series. You're screwed. They go play. Yeah. yeah. When you're on the road and you're playing in Candlestick or wherever and you got to trot out name your pitcher that's a great Cy Young dude, but he can't bat and you got two on and two out. It's not the answer. Bill Dolman's on the way. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Hour two on a Friday, Hail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. More on 
Elijah Wood, the newest member of Nebraska basketball. Jacob Padilla will have thoughts on him and the loss of Kobe King. Let's head out west and check in with the pride of Fairbury. NBC Sports' Bill Dolman, the Mattress King at MD. Uh, that's almost Mike Babcock's Twitter I threw out there. It's at Bill Dolman on Twitter, but Dolman and Babbers worked uh, together for a long time. Uh, M- uh, Billy D., how are you, sir? Well, uh, I wish everybody a very happy fall because that's what it feels like out here in, uh, in Colorado with the temperature in the uh, 40s and 50s in the morning and uh, kind of gray skies. It, it'd be perfect for college football weather out here if anybody cared about it. You know, I, I hope we get to, uh, to talk college football weather. You, you've got an announcement here that 28 athletes at Clemson have tested positive for COVID-19. You've gotten a number of kids uh, at K-State that have tested positive. Some Texas kids, Oklahoma State, will get into their whole week with Gundy in a moment. But, Bill, are you, are you nervous? Are you, are you teetering here on fall sports? Baseball is going to blow their own foot off, so it won't matter. They've, they've been doing that. But I'm talking NFL and college football. Are you fearful that we may not get to it? I think that they will do whatever they can uh, to get the football season underway. Um, the, the, now, the, the question for me is, will that, and maybe not will that, how will that include the uh, Division twos, the Division threes, the, uh, you know, the more regional and smaller colleges? If you're going to have uh, major college football and the NFL, then how do you also have you know those schools you know participate and travel mm-hmm. and and do all that they need to do you know the the thing that's different about football is it's the money and it is and it's not just the money within those sports it's the money that is tied to it for all of the other things like uh, you know television primetime programming and uh you know, Sunday Night Football is, is the is the best show on television. It's the most lucrative, and it's you know paramount to uh, NBC's you know week long television mm-hmm. schedule and marketing and advertising and budgets and all of those kinds of things. It's it's for, you know it's similar to a certain extent to the Olympics, which you know as, as somebody who you know does a lot of stuff for NBC, the Olympics are incredibly important for NBC because of the uh, of you know the, what it presents for. Uh, its entire programming schedule, and I, you know, I think the story came out like two or three, maybe a month ago, about you know college football. They measured it at at, at least four billion dollars, mm. and you know that's just college football. The NFL, I mean, there's just a lot tied in to those what you know five months, and I, I have a hard time believing that they're not going to try to get it to go. I mean, basketball's already lost. Baseball, what real baseball needs to do is just stop talking and just not play because it, it is getting worse and worse by the moment. And, and I, I don't see how you can come back. I mean, they were off to a bad start anyway because you have an organization that flat out cheated to win the World Series and another one that cheated to win. The, so that, that's what baseball was heading into this year. And now you're getting into a labor dispute. And it, it always seems like they, they're coming together and they've got a plan in place. 
and then you read an hour later that that's been rejected, and they say, well, they're so close. But then when you read a little closer or a little deeper as to how close they are, you realize it's not just talking about how many games and prorating salaries for players. There's like 10 other items. You know, the, the, basically they're having, a, you know, a union, you know, labor dispute, you know, in addition to what's going on. I, I'm serious. I think baseball needs to just stop talking, not play, and just, and just hope that at some point down the road in history, they're just going to say they didn't play because there was a pandemic and they thought it would be best and hope that people will forget the damage that they continue to do to the game. 20 years I, later. I, baseball, yeah, I, I, seriously. I mean, nobody really remembers what, you know, 1994, what the, they had a strike, but really what it was all about. I remember so, that Tony Gwynn was going to hit 400. Griffey was going to go for 61. So was Matt Williams. And I, the, ex, right, the, the, the Expos were going to win a World Series. I remember that, and I'm still pissed about 94. <laughs> but you don't necessarily go back and remember all of the reasons why there was the strike. There was just a strike. So I think I, I'm, I think baseball just needs to just stop and hope that you know 20 years from now that all people think is oh yeah they didn't play that year because everybody was sick. Bill Dolman's you know, with us. Right I mean, seriously, it, it is a disaster. And I think the NBA just needs to give everybody a ribbon, <laughs> and and you're all winners. That, that remember that that episode in Seinfeld where they watched the the marathon go by and the gal on the balcony said you're all winners. Yeah, and I think that's what they need to do for the NBA because putting. Uh, what, 40 people from all of the teams in at Disney World and say, be nice for six, 60 days? I, I, that's a lifestyle. The NBA is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to get on the same page for that. And there are also you know, nine or ten items that go a little deeper into whatever plan that they're going to have into place. And, you know, it is social, it is political, it is cultural, as well as, you know, the games themselves and whatever their schedule is doesn't really make a whole hell of a lot of sense. And I don't think it's going to be all that enticing for people to necessarily watch those games at Disney World with, you know, friends and family in in the stands. I, I just – and how meaningful is it going to be to hoist the trophy in the NBA and even in Major League Baseball if they have playoffs? I, I think they just need to call it good. Bill Dolman's with us, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Bill, uh, you spent a lot of years at the athletic department in Nebraska – Athletics forcing to to cut ten percent of their their staff and recalibrate their budget. Uh, they've got to shave ten uh, percent of their budget uh, as well, and we're talking millions and millions of dollars. And this is an athletic department that's been self sufficient for for decades. Is still self sufficient. The shortfall with the universities almost $45 million, the athletic department. You just don't know how bad revenue is going to be for the fiscal year when July 1st hits because we, we don't fully know what's going to change with this college football and basketball season for 2021. What's your reaction to that? I mean, it's not a, it's not a good topic. There's not a great answer, but I know you, you're, you're still in contact and close with folks that are, that are down at the athletic department. You know, it, it's sad when the first thing you read, it, it, part of it is going to be uh, personnel cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that's that's very disheartening. Um, you know, you would hope maybe they would be able to go to people and say, "Hey, can you can you 
you know, spare a couple of bucks off your salary. Sure. Uh, I know Fred Hoiberg and Scott Frost are, are giving money back to the athletic department, and you know that's that's a wonderful gesture on their part. Um, but it does sound like other people are going to be, you know, uh, having to look for a job. And I've gone through that a couple of times in the last ten years myself, so I know how difficult uh, difficult that is. So that's disheartening. It, it has always amazed me that Nebraska, and I don't think the Nebraska Athletic Department has ever gotten enough credit. Uh, you know, around the country that it has been able to be, you know, self-sufficient. And not only that, but it has given back. I mean, I, I think the university library system, for the most part, was, you know, funded by the athletic department, which was always pretty remarkable, you know, given our population, where we are, and the perception of, you know, Nebraska but here we are with an athletic department that, that does pay its own bills and pays the bills for the university in addition to being, you know, its its front porch. And I think, you know, Nebraska Athletics have always done that very admirably. Um, and, I'm you know, I don't know if the university is going to be able to make money off the athletic department this year or if they're going to have to dip a little more into state funds or whatever the case is going to be. Um, but, I, you know, I go back to a little bit bigger picture here. And I understand they're going to be cutting money. I, I still look at you know the ten years of the uh, ten years ago and the decision for Nebraska to be in the Big Ten Conference. You know, right now looks really good. You know, fiscally, because ten years ago there was a lot of uncertainty as to where Nebraska was going to be, what was going to happen with the Big Twelve, and and, and there really hasn't been much clarity in, in the Big Twelve TV pictures for the most part, over the last decade. But Nebraska, despite its struggles on the field at times in football, uh, in terms of the business decision that was made 10 years ago, engineered by Tom Osborne, it, is, it has provided Nebraska a great deal of stability and financial resource uh, right now that it did not have 10 years ago. And I'm not sure everybody in the Big 12 right now is feeling you know, all that confidence to where they are, what kind of footing they're on right now. So being in the Big Ten, you know, right now, if you're Nebraska, you got to go, that was a great move. Especially in today's climate, yeah. Yeah, Bill, even where we are. Bill, I think one of the biggest aspects of the Nebraska budget is still the Husker football season. They kind of need to get that in uh, in the 2020-2021 season uh, to, to reach the budget that they're expecting to get. But with news of COVID in the past week, I mean, Nick Watney uh, withdrew from the PGA Tour today uh, from RBC Heritage after testing positive for COVID after playing in the first round. 23 players tested positive at uh, Clemson for COVID today. That news broke about 20 minutes ago. Are you still feeling confident that we can have a full 2020 college football season yes now it may have to be amended it may have to be altered it may have to be pushed back but you know yeah those are those are alarming numbers and it's alarming news but like when you look at the big picture based on you know what you hear about uh people who attract you know who uh who get it it, it is still a you know a relatively low percentage of people who have serious uh, there are sim- serious implications and unfortunately death. And unfortunately, most of the people who are uh, face, you know, um, it's fatal are people who are north of 65 or north of 75. You don't hear a lot about, you know, healthy young people. And I, I don't mean to diminish this, but, you know, the facts are facts. 
that, you know, younger people may get it, but, but survive. And you certainly hope nobody gets it. And, uh, you know, maybe that maybe need, you know, more precautions need to be made in terms of what medications you take, you know, in the atmosphere that you find yourself in. So I still think that it could happen. Uh, and I, I think that uh, the powers that be will make the best decisions, but it's awful. It'd be very ha- hard for, I think, this country to go through just culturally, emotionally, without, you know, one of the most important things that we have. And that, you know, it's sports and it's football. But let's face it, I think we're finding out how important sports are to our culture. Bill, uh, it's emotionally. It is. Bill Dolman's with us, NBC Sports, Hale Varsity Radio. Bill, a thought here about two and a half minutes uh, the week that Mike Gundy has had, we're, we're going to talk with Dean Blevins in 20 minutes, get his perspective from down in Stillwater, down near Stillwater. Have you had much interaction with Gundy? I know you've covered the no. Big 12 a lot, but, I mean, just from afar or media days, I mean, what's your take on him? Can he keep his job? Uh, I would imagine uh, he probably can, and maybe that's because he's, uh, you know, he wins. I mean this, I, I mean this ge- geographically because of the state he's in. Uh, I, I think Oklahoma may have a different outlook and different perspective. Now, you know, certainly, you know, they reacted very quickly with the controversy that came up. But you know, there may be more uh, more understanding of Coach Gundy and and OSU in Oklahoma than say if you are in a state that may lean much harder to the left. You know, in in California, it's interesting what's happening with UCLA, mm-hmm. and you know you've got players who are demanding certain things before they are going to go back onto campus. And you know, they, you see, I, I don't know. I, I just I just have a feeling that there may be um, uh, a little more. Um, I don't want to say common sense, but it, that that may not be the right term. But there may be a little more uh, honesty on both sides as to how to approach the situation, as opposed to. Reacting too quickly. Last thought here with UCLA. This is a mess, and it sounds like a, a fourth of of the team just flat out don't trust Chip Kelly, Bill, for you for the Bruins. Yeah, that, I, I find that. Well, I'm not sure. Not necessarily just Chip Kelly. I'm not sure that they trust uh, the you know the school as a whole, and, and and maybe that is because of you know the the culture that they find themselves out in California. It's California's situation, New York situation, New Jersey. They've all been kind of in the same uh, conversation about their approach to the pandemic, and maybe the players are looking at, you know, the you know you, you can be on a beach, but you can't be on the dry part. You got to be on the wet part, and and just the whole approach. I think there's a lot of confusion as to, you know, just what is true, what is okay, and what can we do, and uh, and and maybe the players are reacting to that because they really don't know what to believe. Uh, and maybe at a place like Nebraska where, you know, you, it, it's not a huge population. Everybody, you know, pretty much hears the same message. Um, maybe it's a little bit easier for everybody to get on page. But out, out in California, you know, the policies have been kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. And UCLA players right now want to say, well, what, what are we supposed to believe here? And who are we supposed to believe? And maybe that is a reflection of Chip Kelly. Bill Dolman with us, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Uh, Billy D, happy Father's Day this weekend, dude. And We'll uh, get caught up next Friday. Thanks for a few minutes today. Great to chat with you. And happy Father's Day uh, to everybody out there. Go Big Red. And uh, maybe one day you'll get your kid to wear red instead of green. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, Bill. Maybe Uncle Bill's going to have to have that talk with him. 
<laughs> I'll throw my hands up. Take care, partner. Thank you. See ya. <laughs> Parting shot. Schmidt's kid wears green. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Busy Friday for Husker Hoops. We say hi to Jacob Padilla, Nebraska basketball insider with HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, do you expect the amount of news you got today? <laughs> no, I did not. I was thinking <laughs> it would just be another uh, another normal Friday. Uh, maybe get some kind of news dump later in the day, but they've been going all day today. <laughs> It has. Let's start off with Kobe King. Your reaction, any insight as to why he has parted ways with Nebraska? Yeah, I, I haven't seen a whole lot there. Um, I think it was pretty surprising. Um, I don't think Nebraska necessarily expected it. I know he was the the only guy that's actually in the country um, that isn't back on campus yet. Um, so it, uh, it just seems like I looked, uh, read a story from back up in Wisconsin. Uh, his high school coach didn't want to go into specifics, but just said uh, that he has a lot of things he's working through right now. And uh, Fred Hoiberg did mention personal reasons for why he uh, wouldn't be attending Nebraska. So it um, just seems like uh, King's working through some things right now and uh, wasn't ready to come down to Lincoln. You know, and, and that can mean a lot of different things. To your knowledge, if if guy like look at Thor and look at Ivan, okay, they had to they 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 went home, right? So were they yeah. able to 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 do online coursework? Uh, I I would assume so. So they remain eligible, and I I just wonder from from King's standpoint, you know where he was at because this this had to be not just for him, but but just the whole pandemic thing in, in general has got to be it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. You can't be here. And from a, from an X's and O's standpoint, I mean, what were your expectations for King to come in and do? I mean, he was pretty vital to what Fred wanted to do offensively, wasn't he? Yeah, it was going to be really interesting. Um, I uh, I wasn't a guy that was ever blown away by Kobe King, but that being said, he he was uh, a guy that and started a lot of games and played a lot of games in the Big Ten. And Nebraska didn't have any guys like that last year, and we saw what happened. So just kind of the stability that he could bring, um, kind of the the, uh, the the different dynamic of kind of a big physical guard that can post up and finish inside um, that Fred Hoiberg likes to um, put to work in some of his uh, some of his actions. Um, I, I think he would have been a real solid guy there. And now you, you look at it, the the depth in the backcourt really takes a hit. Um, I know like. Fred Hoiberg is looking at Teddy Allen more as like a small forward with the strength to maybe slide down to the four in small ball lineups. Now you're looking at him as potentially a ball handler, um, depending on what happens with Trey McGowan's. Because mm-hmm. right now you got Kobe Webster, you got Delano Banton as kind of like a jumbo point guard type. Um, and then you're looking at guys like Teddy Allen as a ball handler, which I don't know that's, if that's necessarily what Hoiberg had um, uh, kind of planned out originally so um that that kind of left a little bit of a hole there and now um i guess it, it did put um more uh, more of a priority on getting uh trey mcgowan's that waiver to play right away um as, as the roster was i personally thought that and kind of knowing what mcgowan's needs to work through i personally thought that it might work best if 
he uh, didn't get the waiver, and if he just sat out this year, you had King um, and Webster for um, that year as a grad transfer and kind of rolled with the guys and, and Banton playing big minutes, and then you could kind of develop uh, uh, McGowan's and bring him in as a point guard next year with Webster gone and work on that jumper and kind of get him um, ready to play in Fred Hoiberg's system. Now, if without King as that guy that you know can eat up 20, 30 minutes for you uh, and will will produce and be solid, now at the backcourt's kind of more of a question mark. And um, obviously they answered that question a little bit here, um, which we'll get to in a second here, but um, still you're going from uh, a guy that's that started 19 games in the uh, including nine games in the Big Ten last year and led Wisconsin in scoring in those games, and two potentially a, a high school kid coming in. That high school kid, and it wasn't, wasn't a lot of uh, lag by Nebraska. Elijah Wood is in for the Big Red to uh, pretty much take Kobe King's place, and he's going to be reclassified as a 2020 player for the Big Red. Uh, was set to go to Hargrave Military Academy, uh, Ole Miss and Florida and Providence were in on him uh, originally. You looked at Rhode Island and Tulane. Seen a little bit of work uh, from Wood and in his film. Very explosive, uh, graceful, but high school to now Big Ten play. What is an expectation for Wood? What do you like about his game and what do you know? I know he's six six. What do you What do you think yeah. translates for him for Nebraska and Fred? Yeah, he, he's an interesting player. Um, I hadn't looked a lot into him before, obviously, because he was planning on doing a post-grad year and wasn't really on the radar for committing to his school, including Nebraska, right now. Uh, but then that roster spot opened up, and um, Nebraska worked quickly. From, it was about five hours from the time when Fred Horberg sent out that uh, statement on, uh, on King to when uh, – would announce his commitment on Twitter. So um, staff worked quickly here. I guess we got the job done before close of business on Friday and <laughs> now can go enjoy their weekend. But um, he's, he's interesting as uh, I haven't seen a ton and some of the film I, I am seeing is kind of some older stuff. So um, I don't necessarily have uh, numbers from this past season or whatever right now that I've been able to find. But he's a guy that seems kind of like a stat sheet stuffer type. Um, you mentioned six six point guard. He's got good vision. He's uh, he's long. He's he's pretty skinny. He's going to definitely have to get to work in the weight room uh, to hold his own in the Big Ten. But um, there's a lot of skills to like there. Um, he's got the the length and size to kind of play guard twos and threes uh, if he does add that weight. But he's got the skill set to play the point guard if he needs to. So he does kind of fit in with that backcourt with Nebraska where Kobe Webster is six foot, but he shoots well enough to play off the ball. Um, you got Delano Banton as kind of a six, eight Swiss army knife that can defend on the wing and, and make plays inside, but can also handle the ball and run your offense for you. Um, and then McGowan's is a guy that could play the one or the two. So they get a lot of versatility in that backcourt recently. And Wood is a guy that kind of fits right in with that. Jacob, looking at Elijah Wood, he was a guy who was committed to Rhode Island up until the end of April and then decided to go to Hargrave Military Academy instead. Do we know what led to him decommitting from the Rams that late and then going uh, off to Military Academy prep school for a year? Yeah, no, I haven't seen it because he was committed to Rhode Island for um, a year or so. He committed back in May of 2019 and then signed with them in November and then decommitted. So I don't know if... uh, 
don't know if it's just he decided, you know what, I, if he wanted to spend that year of uh, prep school to see what um, his options were. Because obviously he had, he had plenty of high, uh, he had offers from almost every high major conference, but I don't know quite what his uh, recruitment was like with those schools, what kind of a priority he was for them. Um, so maybe he was just trying to give himself a better chance, spend that post-grad year to maybe end up in a, a higher level program than maybe the ones that were kind of making um, him felt, feel wanted at the moment. Um, so I, and maybe that was just that he just like, all right, you know what, I want to bet on myself to, to get even better offers than, I, than I've got right now. So um, I haven't uh, gotten a chance to talk to him, so I don't know what exactly that was like yet, but uh, it, it, it's worked out so far. I mean, uh, by decommitting, he kind of left himself out there, and now the opportunity at Nebraska presented itself, and he was able to jump on top of it. Jacob Adil is with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Basketball Insider does great work on volleyball and, of course, is locked in for football as well. Jacob, I know Fred's Hoiberg's a, a guy that is, is done his work in college with transfers. That said, the incident with, with King, you know, you had him... I'm going to say the ink was drying <laughs> of him to be a, a major part of your, you know, your 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 guard lineup and possibly probably start right, and boom, this happens in June, right? Uh, the 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 scholarship, the exodus, 14 Nebraska basketball guys have have come and gone since Miles to Miles' departure. Does that concern you, or is that just the way things are going to be with Coach Hoiberg, or do you think you, you find some gray area where you'll always have some turnover, but it won't be this much? Yeah, I think that's the goal to where um, they're hoping to get it to where they don't flip the, almost the entire roster every year. But, I mean, the staff, they've made it clear that they're going to keep recruiting, and they're going to try to get the best talent that they can get here. And um Hopefully, moving forward, some of that, like we saw with Iowa State, you had uh, part part of that turnover was you had an uh, early draft entry in Royce White, who was a one done in the program after redshirting that year, um, coming over from Minnesota. So you're hoping to be able to mix in guys like that with high school guys like uh, George Yang and Monte Morris, with some of those other grad transfer types or, or one or two year transfer types, because. Um, Fred Herbert and the staff have shown they're willing to uh, take advantage of every avenue possible for them to uh, add talent to the roster, and they're, they're not going to stop recruiting. So it's going to be on those guys that they, that are in the program now to prove to the coaches, hey, you're not going to be able to out-recruit me. Like, I, I'm, I'm solid here. I'm, I'm a really good player for you. I'm going to be able to produce. So you're not going to be able to get anybody better than me. And I think that's kind of the tack they're chosen. They're like, hey, sh- show us you belong here. Um, we recruited you here for a reason and show uh, and prove us right. So um, I think we're definitely going to continue to see some of this, but hopefully it'll settle down a little bit. Because we even saw, um, heck, it's not just the transfers, we saw it with uh, um, last year, um, Samari Curtis mm-hmm. was uh, part of that high school class, and he was gone eight games in the season or whatever it was. So it's not just that transfers are more likely to, to um, come and go quickly it's just kind of the, the nature of the game right now no matter where the, the players are coming from jacob i've got a minute what do you expect from banton uh i mean i know he had to sit out but he's six eight man that point forward opportunity can his game really elevate this team next season 
it's going to need to. Hopefully, that uh, he put that that um, retro year to good use because he's a guy that he needed to get stronger. He needed to develop the jump shot a little bit more. He's a guy at, that showed a lot at Western Kentucky, but wasn't consistently productive as a young kid. So now he's got a year in the weight room, a year on the practice court. He's got to come out and be a consistent playmaker. And now losing a guy like King, that puts even more of an emphasis on Banton to be a primary initiator, a guy that can go run the offense for you, a guy that can handle the ball. Um, no matter where you have him defensively, you want him out there uh, making plays for you. And that'll lessen, I think, some of the um, the pressure on a guy like Kobe Webster making that transition from the Summit League to the Big Ten. So he's got to be one of your better players, I think, for this team to really click. Is he ready for that? Uh, we won't know until he gets out there, but I think the, the coaches are really high on him, and they believe he can be that kind of player. It's Jacob Adilla. Uh, he'll have great stuff on Husker Hoops today. All the news, com at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, have a good weekend. Thanks for a few. Yep, thanks for having me. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's head down to Oklahoma. News 9 and the sports animal, sportscaster of the year multiple times. We say hi to former Sooner Dean Blevins with us at Dean Blevins. It's where you find him on Twitter. Dean, how's your Friday? Uh, things are good, Chris. Things are good. I'm not having to work except uh, hopping on the, our uh, statewide radio here about 5 o'clock. And usually that's a whole lot of fun. But here recently, it's been work. It, it's, it's been work. <laughs> Talking I, about the things we talk about. So, no, uh, I, I bet. Uh, otherwise, things are good. That's that's awesome to hear. You guys are healthy and safe and excited to spend a few minutes yep. with you. And what a week it's been for those in Stillwater. There's been reaction all over the college football world with Mike Gundy, his T-shirt, his players' response, former buff, great NFL veteran, sounding off. How have you kind of processed everything in Stillwater with Coach Gundy, Dean? Well, there have been, you know, different issues brought up, different layers to it. And, um, you know, it's all really sped up and taken on a, a whole new level of consternation and seriousness with the allegations from Alfred Williams, the Hall of Fame player from Colorado, and some of his teammates who were quoted back in 1989 after they beat the uh, Cowboys in Stillwater. Allegations of Gundy using the N-word not just once or twice, but as their safety is quoted as saying in that story too many times for him to count. So when all this news came out, it's taken it, it to another level. It's an extremely sensitive situation. You've got race, you've got politics, you've got accusations, and you've got a high, you got a, a five million dollar man here who is bold, confident, opinionated. I think we can say that it can say loud mm-hmm. and. What he has going for him, he doesn't have a whole lot of things going for him right now. One thing he does have going for him, he's the winningest coach, and and they do not want to lose him. Maybe especially right now, if you'll remember, Chris, Oklahoma State basketball slapped with a, they're appealing it, but a three-year probation that is really strong. And so now the possibility of of, uh, firing Mike Gundy, um, you know, 
really big deal. Really big deal. It is, and and I just kind of look at, at Gundy's history. I mean, 15 years there, he's taken the Cowboys to heights that I don't remember being at since yep. the Pat Jones era and even some Jimmy Johnson years with, I mean, just great, great players. Gundy's been able to recruit that, and I look at Chubba Hubbard. I know he's a kid out of Canada, but that kid's phenomenal. And I thought the, the meeting and the response by Hubbard and Gundy after they talked it out was was it seemed like things were okay, but you're right. The the Alfred Williams in in 1989 game between Colorado is a, a whole new level of things. And Gundy's apologized multiple times this week, even went on ESPN, called himself a dumbass a couple of times. And, you know, he, he is opinionated. He is political, but he's always been kind of loud. Is yeah. this as thin as the ice has been for him? Oh, no question. No question. His ability to win um, and his popularity, mostly because of that. But people have really bought into the the charisma that some believe is there that uh, you might see on television. Others would would frame it another uh, way, and especially right now. But uh, mainly because of winning, and he was uh, a terrific quarterback for them. But, you know, it's one thing to wear a T-shirt, which... um, uh, mostly the black athletes were so offended that, um, you know, Shuba Hubbard comes out and says, I'm not doing anything. Basically, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm boycotting uh, if there's not change. And so Gundy wisely immediately got with Shuba, got with their star linebacker, and tried to win them over and won them over enough to have that staged first conversation in public uh, taping that Chuba did really didn't buy into um, where there was an apology. Well, there really wasn't an apology on Mike Gundy's part. There was on Chuba's part. So there wasn't really the buy-in from the players. And then it came back where the it, it got bigger. They required more. So Gundy goes out with him again. The bottom line is, uh, with these new accusations, um, it has – it has this thing uh, as, uh, on a 10 scale, it's an 11 mm-hmm. um, because the accusations are coming from a, a man who is credible and who has, as he said, Albert Williams, who's a radio guy up in Denver now, um, you know, he said, hey, I got if he doesn't, uh, I, I want an re- apology. And if I don't get it or he denies it, I've got 20 teammates who, who heard it and these other people. So there's some validity to that. So what happens at the end of the day? Um, Gundy's got two options. He either ignores the allegations of the N-word, and if you do that, you're admitting guilt. What are the players going to think? What are the recruits going to think? The other option is he disputes... um, he disputes the thing, and he says he's got you know twenty other people to back it up. Or he says, you know, yeah, I did that, but that was when I was uh, twenty-one years old. Which, in most cases, that would be fine. But I don't think right now it is fine because of the racial turbulence at, at, at such an infernal level mm-hmm. right now. Gundy doesn't have Gundy hasn't had former players former coaches, anyone come back of record, and go on record as saying, hey, I know a different guy. Yeah, if you do that, you know, that takes some, some uh, cojones to do that, but he's not had anyone do that. And so now you've got these players who are questionable now. I don't think they were bought in with, 
with these conversations he's had. But they were going to move forward. But now these new allegations come forward, and this thing isn't going to go away. Dean, it, it's it, not it, going to go away. The guy, you know, Williams will be asked about this continually. Yeah. And if if, he, if this thing is just ignored, which I know the AD and the athletic and the uh, president won't do, yeah. uh, if it's ignored, then Williams will it will continue to be brought up every time a TV game goes on. And real quickly, I know I've just gone on. No, gone you're fine. On, Thanks but for I will the info. Throw in, I will throw in one more important fact. Gundy's personality is people either love him or some don't. Some hate him. He has hor- He has a horrible relationship with athletic director Mike Holder, who is controversial in his own right. But it's the worst relationship you can imagine. It's toxic. It's cancerous. They don't speak. And so now there's a president involved, and they came out and been pretty bold. That was before the N-word stuff uh, came up. So uh, as you can sense, um, it's a really big deal, really big deal. He's going to have to really scramble, in my opinion, to save his job. Dean, 30 seconds. What's, from your vantage point, what's the culture been like at Oklahoma State? I mean, he's, he's gotten great players, and I've never heard anything negative about Gundy. His personality aside, I'm saying guys play for him. Yeah, they do. He's won games, and uh, I'm really surprised that we haven't heard some people come out and support him more. Um, uh, Sam Mays is a former All-American. Now he's a radio guy in Oklahoma City, and he's gone on record as saying, hey, when I was coached by him, he would say, get your black ass back here and get in the huddle. Mm. Things like that don't help. So I'm sure Mike has a lot of supporters, a lot of money people behind him, but it's an avalanche on the other side. And in these days, in these times we're living in, uh, it is no better than a toss-up, in my opinion, that Mike Gundy keeps his job. Dean Blevins, News 9, Sports Animal down in Oklahoma City. Dean, thanks for a few minutes today. You bet. I hope we talk about something a little better next time. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Okay, enjoy Father's Day weekend. Celebrate with Dad, Grandpa, uh, those loved ones you can. Do it safely and responsibly. You know this. But have a good Father's Day. I mean that, 1,000%. Reminder about moving, and West Blue Realty can help you do that. Uh, home sales around Lincoln and surrounding communities, they can make a move for you smooth in 2020. When you mention Hale Varsity, West Blue Realty can provide up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a shout at 402-540-3768. Or Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly can help at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue Realty. WestBlueRealty.com, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Okay, Elijah, you like to grill. That I do. So what is your butcher name? What do you mean? Well, I've got a list here of different types of meat that uh, you can use. And are related to your first letter in your first name. So A is for Angus, B is for strips, C is for rounds, okay? So for you, letter E is slices. Oh. Your, your, your birth month. When were you born? March. So that's uh, 
Oh, my God. So you are Slices Chopsworth Jr. That is, that is your, your butcher name. I kind of like that, actually. Mine is Rounds <laughs> Burgermeister. That's even better than mine. I don't think so. Oh, Burgermeister? Burgermeister? So we got to do this. What, what would your porn name be? So what's your middle name? <laughs> uh, Paul. Paul. What, what street were you born on? Uh, oh, that's a good question, actually. <laughs> we, we moved around a lot when I was a kid. I believe Northwest 4th. Which doesn't work as good, no, <laughs> you know. No. Uh, the but, but the first house I remember was Gabrielle. So you're Paul Gabrielle. <laughs> All right. So you got to go middle name and then street you were born on. So I'm James Tipperary. James Tipperary. Uh huh. That sounds like a fancy high class. <laughs> <laughs> they flew me over from the south of France. Okay, back to the butcher thing though. My roommate is actually like he works in the meat department. Have you gone over yeah, this? Give me give me his uh, give me his first initial D. Okay, so it's Vito. Vito, and then he was born in November. Okay, so <laughs> he is Vito O'Cleaver. That's a good one. These are all Vito O'Cleaver. I'll have to get him to go change his name tag at High V. That'd be funny. Vito O'Cleaver. <laughs> all right, we're going to go with uh, my dad here for Father's Day. So he's going to be Porkland. <laughs> Porkland. Uh, Beefington. Then you got like the you got the pork in the first and the beef in the second. Porkland Beefington. I'm not sure if that one works as well. Got to go with my brother here. We'll go D for Donk Vito. So Vito McGee. Now that just sounds like a porn star name. It does Vito <laughs> McGee? Hey, it's Uncle Vito. Uncle Vito. All right, what do you got going this weekend? Kind of depends on the weather. Um, Baseball supposed for, to, for supposed both of us. Supposed to be umpiring. I think I'm going to to spend Saturday night with my dad instead of Sunday for Father's okay. Day. Good for you. Get it out of the way a little early, and then looks like there might be a better weather Sunday, which would get me out umpiring. Good enough. Uh, best of edition, Hale Varsity weekend tomorrow morning. Ron Brown, Mike Leach, uh, Schweitzer, uh, the new recruit. And have a great Father's Day. Spend time with uh, Dad and Grandpa. Enjoy if you can. Talk to you on Monday with Hale Varsity. Thanks.